When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is a crowd podcast. What's occurring, Bert? So, listen, I'm not sure what to say now because you don't like my <laughs> what's occurring. Um, I was tempted to try a Welsh what's occurring and I thought it would be quite insulting. So then I thought I would just do my own what's occurring. Then I thought, should I do like a tour specific what's occurring where I do the what's occurring in the accent of that day's stage winner? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I reckon on the stage winner's accent for sure, you got to try and do what's occurring. So, All right, let's go again. What's occurring, Bert? What is occurring, Geraint? <laughs> where's he from he's from the french speaking part of belgium oh good effort yeah i like that well we'll see how that goes before we start talking about today's stage going we've got a little bit of chat because tickets for our live shows go on general sale 10 o'clock in the morning on wednesday Yes, we're in London on November the 6th and Cardiff November the 7th. So if you're listening to this before 10 in the morning on Wednesday, go to the link in the episode description. You can put your email address in there to get a notification as soon as the tickets are on sale. If you're listening to this after 10 a.m., bloody hurry up. Hurry up now because they're on sale and anyone can get them. General sale means the whole world can access them. Yeah, that's big chat. So every single ticket comes with a signed copy of Geraint's new book, Great Rides According to G. That is being written as we speak. It's out in November as well. There's also a handful of meet and greet tickets. So if you want to hang out before the show, there's a few of those available as well. All the pre-sale tickets sold out last Friday and those meet and greet tickets were the first to go. So move fast. And we'll see you all there. Right. Now, Tom, back to the tour. Right, so let's do our little run-through of what happened today, first of all, before we dive into it, shall we, Geraint? So this was stage four. Um, came down to another bunch sprint. It was on the Nogaro motor racing circuit, of which, of which more in a minute. Another win for Jasper Philipson. Yeah. When you were watching it, 
Did you think it was Phillips and all the way or were you a little bit like Cav and Caleb Ewan and you thought it was wide open until Matteo van der Poel came accelerating through like a steam train? Yeah, to be honest, when we come, when they came onto the final straight, I said, oh, Caleb's got this. Um, but yeah, just going backwards a bit, it was just absolute chaos, wasn't it? Like me and Luke said yesterday, you know, well, that's twisty motor racing circuit, but you know, it's going to be wide and you kind of think it might be quite safe on a motor racing circuit, but nah, it was, that was, it was, I didn't enjoy watching it to be honest, because I just know exactly what it's like to be in the middle of that. And um, to be honest as well, because I called Jakobsen and when I saw him go down, that was doubly sad. Well, you did as well, didn't you? We both called him. And just for those who don't know, I think most people listening to this will know, but Fabio Jakobsen came back after a horrific crash at the Tour of Poland a couple of years ago. He's still literally got the scars across his face, across his nose and his chin. So there's a lot of people in the peloton rooting for him, aren't there? And when you see him go down again like that, your heart is just in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see how the crash happened. You just saw the front shot. There might have been an aerial one later on, but um, yeah, just and you just saw it. it was the European champs jersey and it was just like, oh, it's, it's, you don't want to see any crashes anyway, especially when you call them. Um, and when you got a little competition going. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it was... Uh, there was another crash after that one there and then one on the final straight as well. Yeah, I just know exactly what it's like. And I, th I saw an interview just before coming on with Mads Pedersen and he was saying how guys need to remember they got breaks and blah, blah, blah. And I know exactly what he means. It's just, it's, it does feel like it's a bit more chaotic now. Um, we've said it numerous times. Don't know if that's because the peloton's just a bit younger and just a bit more crazy or, you know, everyone's level is a lot closer but yeah and everyone's just seems a bit more desperate and wants to go through small gaps and I've got to say Jumbo coming into that circuit were phenomenal really yeah hats off to Jumbo because the way they rode in those final sort of well to be honest I only saw from 6k out really but um, they were keeping Jonas in a great position coming into that you know technical bit they were well right where they wanted to be Apart from Van Aert, who obviously lost them and he never really got back, did he? But um, yeah, that was really good from them because yeah, it was just crazy that that finishing circuit and the run into it, you know, because it looks like they had an easy, you know, it was quite a steady away day. It's not easy. I never say like to say easy about a race, but um, yeah. And then it was just a lot of fresh legs, a lot of guys full gas into those corners and stuff. And you always, that's the worst I gotta say, from a rider point of view, that's the worst when it's slow all day and then ballistic at the end and crazy bunch sprint. So, yeah, great ride by Jumbo, keeping him safe. On that point about why it's why we're getting more dangerous bunch sprint finishes, because you looked at that circuit, that motor racing circuit before the day stage, and there was the assumption that because it's quite wide, um, and that finish straight was a nice long straight, that it would be safer. So I don't know. Is is part of it? You know when. Certainly when I was a kid and when you were a kid as well, you would have one or two sprint trains and you'd have one sprinter who would generally hoover up for three or four or four, four or five stages, whether it's a Cipollini or somewhere else. I wonder now because there are so many more sprint trains and there are so many more riders in the peloton who, not only the pure sprinters, but the, the new generation of all-rounders as well, the Wout van Arts. I wonder if it's that as well because there's more riders who fancy each stage if that makes it more dangerous. Yeah, I think the main thing is there's no real dominant team to lead it out and string it out as well. Um, 
and the headwind in the final home straight um, affects it as well. Um, but yeah, like, phew, fair play to, uh, you know, Caleb, Cav, they're all in good position. I could actually spot Cav today. Couldn't spot him yesterday. I had no idea with the jerseys, all the new jerseys. The white helmet's really useful for Cav, isn't it? As a Cav identifier. Yeah, true, true. I, I prefer it if he had won the Nationals again. It would have been a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that as, as you said, that lead out from Van der Poel was just phenomenal. Um, you know, they were biding their... Well, I'm sure they would probably prefer to have been a bit more forward, but they were still in a decent position. And then, yeah, with that headwind as well, got a good jump. Um, you could see the squeezing and everything though, couldn't you? Like Caleb almost got squeezed out. Cav got, almost got squeezed out. Like, um, yeah, it's just a bit crazy. But yeah, great lead out from Van der Poel. Caleb looked like he had he had good legs. I don't know. I don't want to say he was the faster or the stronger than Philipson, but if he had like had a bit more luck and just sort of been in the slipstream a little longer, I think he could, he may have taken it or just longer arms for the lunge. It was kind of nice to watch, but also just you looking at watching it through your fingers because you're just like, you don't want to see people crash. But It's a little bit like if you're watching the Grand National and your eyes are drawn to the horses and the jockeys at the front of the race, but you see spectacular crashes over the fences behind. And even as you're watching the race unfold, you're just wincing and hoping everyone's okay. It's like that, isn't it? Particularly with this one, like, whereas you say there was crash after crash after crash yeah. right to the end. And I think, I don't know, with horse racing, because I've never ridden a horse, I don't know what it's like. So I don't, it's that whole thing about, you know, appreciating like a snooker player. You can only really appreciate how good they are when you play on a full-size snooker table and you can't even hit a red, let alone pot a red. So it's the same thing, like when you're watching a bunch sprint, You've, I've been there I know exactly what it's like I know what it's like to crash that makes it worse and on top of that when you're mates with some of the guys as well and yeah it just it adds to it but um, and yeah that I'm, I'm not I, I don't know if it was a great idea to have a finish on that just that finish the way all the twists and the turns like I don't know yeah if it was a normal road 100% people would be kicking off about that but because it's a racing circuit, at least it is safe. You're not going to hit um, a bollard or a house, are you? So it is safer, but it did nothing for, you know, well, all it did was create chaos. And then you saw the, the, the results of that. But the final crash could have been avoided. Like the Uno X guy kind of looking behind him. He wanted to get out the way. It's not, you know, he, he didn't intentionally do it, but once your lead out's done, just just keep looking forward and just go straight. It's just the most simple, you know. He was trying to look, he was looking left one knee to see who was coming and kind of drifted right. And then did he touch the wheel or touch the rider and hit the barrier and down he goes. But yeah, at least that was only two of them because of the other crashes. There was only a tiny group by then anyway, wasn't it? But um, yeah, Never nice to see crashes, but hopefully they're all all right. And um, I haven't said it actually, but chapeau to Philipson because um, two from two. It's kind of surprising, actually. Top three was the same yesterday and today, which when there's so many good sprinters that could get a result, you wouldn't expect that. I wouldn't expect that. That's true. It's also, it was quite a retro top 10, I think, quite a retro sprinters top 10 we saw Sagan in the mix um, for about three, two or three K to go and then he disappeared but if you went further down the list you've got Brian Cockeye in there uh, obviously you've got Cav 
Christoph was involved. So mm. it was, as you say, it was the same, same at the, at the top. And then it was like a sort of throwback to 2013, 2012, lower down. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, Cockard loves a top 10 though, doesn't he? He loves a fifth to 10th. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, fair play. Like anyone to be up there today, you, you got to be able to handle your bike and, you know, get in a good position and sort of, yeah, choose the right sort of way to go. Um, you also need a bit of luck. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the way Alperson have been riding, um, the fair play to them. Like obviously Philipson has to finish it off, but he's been set up really well by his team as well. So fair play to them. I think them and um, obviously Jonas and Pog, Lafay, probably the standout people in the tour so far. I love as well how they sort of rescued it because it looked like Philipson had lost his lead out train with about 300 to go or 400 to go and then sort of Van der Poel just dun, 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 <laughs> just appears at the right time for him and he can jump on his wheel and away he goes. Yeah, when you think like Van der Poel is the perfect sort of lead out man because he's super strong and, and quick but he's not yeah, he's not super explosive that it, he's great for that fast acceleration for Philipson to follow basically and he's strong enough to take some wind and then do that because um, you know when you see some ex-sprinters who try to turn into lead-out men doesn't really happen because well they're maybe too used to just hiding for a long time and then trying to sprint and yeah but I've put in a big jump in yeah yeah exactly so I think Van der Poel's the perfect sort of lead-out man really right let's have a little cheeky break there Geraint and when we come back I'm going to ask you more about crashes what it's like to be in them I also want to know what it's like to go elbow to elbow in a bunch sprint. So let's do that in a moment. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. By the way, Tom, I'm not talking too much about crashes. That's true. You should know this by now. Yeah, I do know that. Why have I even <laughs> used the word when the word's banned? All right, I'll think of another word. And in fact, I'll flip it around. So that 
experience that you've touched on in the first segment of the show where it's sort of 3K out onwards. And if you're watching that as an amateur, you're thinking, how the hell is anyone staying up? Because wheels are overlapping. You described to me once just that that horrible sound of your spokes sort of tinkling on someone's rear mech when you're really, really close to going down. But even the point that you touched on there with Caleb when he's shoulder to shoulder someone, and we saw it with Cav again today, where he's leaning into someone and pushing his way through. To the amateur riders, that is terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it's just something you sort of, um, I think as we rode the track as well, you kind of get used to a bit more. Um, and at least the sprinters, they all are kind of used to it and can handle their bikes quite well and they can um, deal with it almost. They're used to being leaning on, lent on, um, rather than say, I don't know, someone like Walt Powell's isn't necessarily used to being lent on. So it's different. Um, but then obviously Paul, Wow isn't going to be there in a bunch sprint anyway. So yeah, it's it's not as bad. Like I don't know. Like I would feel I wouldn't say comfortable, but you kind of you're used to just that odd lean and yeah. And when it's another sprinter, it's kind of okay. But at the same time, it's different doing it at 60k an hour when you're trying to get through a gap and he has a bit of a lean. And I definitely wouldn't be doing that. You know, when you've seen Sagan in the past, some of the moves he's pulled or. And you just see them, you're just like, oh, like yesterday when me and Luke were watching it live and we were both just like, wow, when I think it was Asgreen or someone was almost got taken out. And yeah. And when you feel your spokes on someone's rear mech, it's just that like, oh shit, this is like 50-50 now. And you just do your best to save it. And yeah, as I say, it's 50-50. Like I've taken Cav spokes out before in um, that Gent Wevelgum, the windy one. Yeah. The notorious 2015 Gent Your karate kick one. Yeah. Um, when it was all the craziest bit, actually, Cav was on my left and screaming at me. And I was just like, mate, I have absolutely no choice in where I'm going at the, this moment in time. My bike is just blowing. And um, I took his front wheel out and yeah, he lost all his spokes and that ended his race. So yeah, sorry about that, Cav. <laughs> but um, at least he stayed upright. Like, phew. yeah, there's no worse sound it's, well, there's no worse sound, but it's also quite relieving when you hear it and you know you're not in it. That's the first instinct. You're like, oh, thank, thank hell, I'm, thank God I'm not in that. But then you're also thinking, oh, shit, that sounds like a nasty one. Because you don't ever look. Well, I don't, because, you know, like what with the Uno X dude, in the crash in the, the finish straight today. So you never look behind, but you're kind of like, oh, shit. And then you listen on the radio in case you hear one of your teammates is in it. It's just horrible. But for those sprinters, it's just part of the game. And as we said in one of our books, Tom, it's like a bat batsman losing his wicket. A sprinter is 100% going to crash. A bike rider is going to crash really, but a sprinter for sure. So it's just one of those things. When Cav is sticking his elbows out in a bunch sprint, that strikes me as being, so the lean terrifies me because if you're leaning on someone and then they disappear, your lean turns into a fall, doesn't it? But if Cav is getting mm. his elbows out, He's got something to push against. And in my mind, if he's got his, even though he's a small rider, if he's got his elbows out, that's pretty much going to take him wider than his knees and his cranks, isn't it? So it just gives him a little bit of a buffer, I guess, to play with. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like if you both got it, at least it gives you a bit more room and a bit more space. Um, plus, if you're, if you feel a rider's elbow on your hip, 
uh, to be honest, you're probably just going to turn right into him and stop and close the gap. So um, maybe that doesn't help so much. But yeah, it's just not nice. It's just like, oh, They're like so watching these stages, I definitely don't wish I was there. I was like, well, it's nice not to be in that. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, that's just as a GC rider or any rider, really, that's not a sprinter. They're just not. Well, actually, if you're not a GC rider, you can just go to the back and happy days. But yeah, it's because, for instance, in the Giro, you know, you get through 3K, you're like, right, okay, I'm okay now. So you start drifting back. Then you're around 20, 25th wheel. And because you've got that perception of like depth is, you don't really have it when you're that far back. It's like when you get the front shot of a camera, um, the front shot of the peloton, you, you don't really know where they are, you know, um, position wise. It kind of looks like they're in one line. Um, and that's what's kind of like sat back and you just see them going left, right, leaning on each other, shouting, you know, a few ping bings at front wheel. And I was like, oh boys, please just don't crash. Just get to this finish, just ride in a straight line. But yeah, it's part of it, isn't it? It's part of it. What What is it like in the aftermath of a stage like today's on Tuesday? So if there is a sense of blame in the peloton or a sense that one rider has maybe caused the downfall of another. Do you get Barney's going off? Once the riders are heading back towards the where the team buses are parked, do you get arguments? Do you get pointed fingers? Yeah, you do get some. But it's more the the loud guys anyway. And if you like you get some guys that are always sort of complaining or saying someone did this or that. But I'd say nine times out of ten, if something does happen, people will go and have a, a word. But it doesn't seem to ever change anything. That's why I've always said like we need some sort of like VAR or like Hawkeye in bloody tennis or something. Is it Hawkeye in tennis? Uh, yeah, I think so. Huh. So where, you know, you can actually go watch the whole 20K and actually penalise people for doing stupid manoeuvres because that's the only way you're going to calm them down a bit. I'd be well up for that. But yeah, there's, you know, people say stuff, but, you know, everyone's full of adrenaline as well. Um, for me, after one stage of the Giro, one of the last bunch sprints, I think it was before Rome, I was actually just angry. I was just like, there was no need for that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, as I keep saying, it's part of it, isn't it? And you have to just try and deal with it. Right, we're not going to talk um, about the C word, but I will ask about the aftermath uh, when the C thing has happened. So let's say it's one of your teammates, Geraint, who has gone down. Because the tour just rolls on, doesn't it? So let's say they're walking wounded and you're back on the team bus and you're in your nice big equivalent of a business class airline seat. You've probably got your headphones on. Is there going to be a rider at the back of the bus or in their seat who's just sitting there quietly bleeding? Yeah, pretty much. They'll come on. They'll say they're all right. They strip off and you're like, hmm, yeah, that is quite nasty, mate. But you don't say it. You're like, oh, yeah, no, good job needs a good scrub in now. So they go in the shower, they're scrubbing it. Like we're quite a harsh, like iodine scrubber thing, blood everywhere in the tray. Um, not the nicest, he'll come out, the doc will make sure it is clean. If it's not, send him back in. Normally some of the young guys get sent back in and the doc scrubs it. Um, and yeah, then they come out, they get patched up. Yeah, you can tell they're just a bit annoyed because um, there's nothing worse than crashing. Um, and you just feel sorry for him because you're just like, oh, you just know that that night they're not going to sleep very well, especially if it is like quite a big, deep one on your hip or whatever. 
but you're also glad it's not you yeah which which is like yeah and when it is you you're just like oh bloody hell what am I doing I should be at the beach drinking cocktails <laughs> one more question about this before we move on and we talk about tomorrow's stage about Wednesday's stage I don't know if you've ever seen the film Master and Commander it's the Russell Crowe one where he's like a, a captain on a, a navy boat navy ship um, 250 years ago and there are various medical procedures that go on when they're on deck where clearly this is sort of pre um, any sort of painkiller and I've got a very vivid memory of someone having a horrible operation and being given like a wooden stick to bite on <laughs> so they don't scream uh. the place down I've got a similar sort of idea in my head of what it's like on a team bus where you're all stoical you're all row riders you know crashes happen um, no one wants anyone squealing at the back of the bus so someone just has to bite down and just absorb the pain <laughs> yeah in the shower I haven't known anyone to take anything in like a belt or a piece of wood but <laughs> they do curse a bit and um, swear at the doctor or whatever but it's just like because it, it definitely is a necessity because if you don't clean it properly there is a bit of grit in there it's only going to cause you a lot more hassle down the line because you know if it gets infected and it's deep and whatever and then it's like yeah you're into hospital and you're getting it cleaned out properly and yeah it's just 10 times worse so everyone knows it's got to be done yeah and it, it also it depends how it happened like if it was that guy's fault sometimes it's easier to take well, I don't know yeah if you get taken out it's just then you can at least you can blame someone but yeah it's just not very good whatever happens right let's have a few adverts and when we come back we shall talk about Wednesday's stage 5 Hi everyone, Sam Warburton here and I hope you're enjoying what's occurring. How would you like to hear a bit more of Luke talking about the fine margins that can make or break a tour victory? You start a race with a bag of sand and every acceleration you do, every wasted nervous energy is just an extra pinprick. And if you stick enough pinpricks in there, all the sand's going to fall out. Or hear him reflect on when things don't go to plan. It might have been the first time I've said it publicly, but um, it still bugs me, you know. I should have been there. That was a special moment. You know, we paid for it. If track cycling is your thing, what about Sir Chris Hoy breaking down the mindset required to win Olympic gold? I would visualise the perfect race and how it sounded, how it smelled, how it felt, you know, sitting on the start line, hearing the beeps, and that will displace any distracting thought or negative thought or anxious thought. If that sounds like something you'd enjoy, then check out my podcast, Captains. Each week, I sit down to compare notes, swap stories, and share leadership insights with some of the biggest names in sport. It's self-improvement through storytelling. To hear those episodes in full and explore the rest of the back catalogue, just search for Captains with Sam Warburton wherever you get your podcasts. Dion. Out of all the things we've discussed in the last two and a half years, that is single-handedly the most disgusting thing you've ever asked of me. Hello, my name is Joe. And my name is Tom. And we would like to invite you to listen to The Joe Marler Show. We are on a mission to learn about absolutely everything. Hang on, everything? How are we going to learn about everything? We could start by speaking to someone fascinating like a bomb disposal specialist. That's good. What about someone with a really interesting job that you've never heard of before? Yes, Plus, we could speak to people who know amazing facts that will blow your mind. So we're basically saying you should listen to The Joe Marler Show if you want a weekly podcast that has loads of interesting chat that you can repeat to your friends whilst giggling your head off at the same time. I think, Joe, that's exactly what we're saying. If that is the case, just search for The Joe Marler Show and subscribe. 
Right, Garrett, the time has come that we all knew would come. A stage is starting in Poe. Does it start in Poe tomorrow, does it? Starts in Poe. It was always going to happen, as discussed on our preview. The tour cannot be the tour without visiting Poe. Yeah, oh, the boys will be in a nice hotel tonight then. Lucky them. They might have a couple of nights if they're... There's a couple of days in the Pyrenees now, right? That's early, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That's early for the tour. I think it's the earliest in 30-something years, basically, since the tour last started in the past country. So that's the that's the sort of point of it. And the stage profile, I, I, I'm looking at this, I can't quite work out if this is going to be... Because you know when you look at a stage profile and it goes, that's a breakaway, when it looks like a very small saw or mm. a sort of medium-sized saw. This one, so we've got the first or category climb, that's the Col de Sude. So that's what, 1500 meters. Then we've got a category one climb towards the finish and then a bit of a downhill run. So what are your thoughts? Are we looking break here or are we looking at a little bit of GC jousting? Well, I would say before Pogacar and UAE came along in the last two years, I'd say breakaway all day long. But now... It's just they've just changed the way racing happens, and I don't know. Like you, you look at that and you think, ah, there's a bonus second sprint on the top of the last um, first cat climb. You look at that climb. Just look at it now. One, two, three and a half. K, the last three and a half k is over ten percent, probably eleven percent average. That is solid. That is really that is that's a proper climb. Um, and then it's what? What did you say? Eighteen k to the finish. Yeah. 18k to finish. Yeah. So the whole of that climb is 7.7k at an average of 8.6%. But as you say, the average disguises how much it kicks up at the end. Yeah. So like you'd say nine times out of 10, the 100% is going to be a breakaway. So if it is a breakaway, it's a flat start though. So it's not, it's going to be hard to get in the breakaway um, because if it's a climb, basically it's more the legs. Whereas when it's flat, it's a bit more combinations and how the race actually goes like it could be racing for the first like 50 60k year for the break it could actually start dragging up when the break actually goes to be fair but no one knows what UAE are going to do they could potentially try and bring it back for that like they did stage two yes they could potentially bring it back he could pog can go for those seconds but the way that climb is I'd say there's a high chance that Vinegar would get second. So basically, there would be a lot of effort to gain three seconds. But saying that, if there is a small group, Micah, the way he's going, would be there. Adam Yates, for sure, would be there. So you'd have two teammates. Jonas, not sure who's going to be there. Kuss, potentially, but I don't know. He's more of a three-week man, a uh, third-week man. Um, yeah. Jonas could be isolated. They could try and keep it going and then if Pog can go for the stage, potentially could get 10 seconds, could get 13 seconds on the day. But for them to control it from there to the finish is tough anyway, like we saw the other day with, with Jumbo and Lafay winning, you know? So mm. to control attacks is hard. But the way UAE are, I don't know. They could try and do that. And I was thinking about this, right? Pog, we've been sort of ripping them a bit, haven't we, for going yeah. deep and going for these seconds but he's got 11 seconds at the minute on Vingegaard if they do commit to this he wins that sprint Jonas gets second for the bonus sprint now he gains three that's 14 seconds if he wins the stage that's another 10 and Jonas I doubt he's going to sprint to the top three 
So that's 24 seconds. If he does that on another couple of days, he could be close to like 40-odd seconds in bonus sprints. You know, I I don't know. Like on, on a big mountaintop finish, of, I would say Vingegaard is probably stronger, but I don't know. If, if Pog doesn't blow up like last time, ah, 40 seconds is a lot to put into him. But, you know, there's a TT as well. They're both sort of similar there. Pog could gain maybe 10 there. So we've been kind of ripping their strategy, but I don't know. Who knows? It might work. I like that point, actually, because this uh, reminds me a little bit of your glory days. Not that they're over, but your particularly glory days in 2018. Um, mm. And when you won those two summit finishes in two days, so on La Rosier and then out Duez, I mean, those extra bonus seconds that you got for winning those stages didn't do you any harm at all when it came down to the final reckoning. Yeah, exactly. Like, I gained time on La Rossier, maybe 20-odd seconds, but the rest of it, I was just picking off seconds here and there. Um you know, attacking a few finals, gain like five seconds and then obviously also pick up a few bonus seconds. It's, yeah, I don't know. But do I think they'll do that? It all depends on the break. Like if there's a big, decent break with some strong guys, climbers, um, you'll know pretty early if they are going to commit to it because they'll keep it with quite close. They're going to have to, they would ride anyway. They got the yellow jersey. But if they keep it quite close, if the break... Like I say, if it takes 50-odd K for the break to go, they're going to start that final climb after 70-odd K. Then on the climb, everyone's got to push. So keep it at three minutes if they want. Then it's a descent. You don't have much valley road. Then you've got another climb. Then it's a descent and you're on the final climb. So I don't know. They could potentially do that, I would say. It all depends on the size and the strength of the break and the climbers in the break um, if they do go for that really. Do we need to set tomorrow's stage, so the, the fifth stage, do we need to set that in the context of Thursday's stage, stage six, because that is a proper mountainous one. So we go over the Col d'Aspin, we go over the Col du Tourmalet, um, you know, two of our big set piece Pyrenean climbs. So does that make any difference at all when we're thinking about whether the GC boys will get involved? Might they save a little bit of powder, keep some powder dry? Well, like I said before, maybe three, four years ago, I'd say, yeah. Now, who the hell knows with these kids, mate? I think they just worry about the here and then and they don't think about tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I'm just having a look at it now. And yeah, Aspan, Tourmalet and whatever that last one's called. Um, it's tough, but what's after that? You got two sprint days, have you? Um, stage seven is definitely a sprint day I think that's pretty pancake flat that's the Bordeaux yeah um, and then Saturday is also pretty flat isn't it to Limoges yeah yeah they got two sort of flat days after that I think they could commit to two big days um, they got a strong team but seeing we got to make a prediction I will say breakaway oh just because even though I've been saying for the last 10 minutes they're going to control it I'm still going to, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 breakaway. Because, yeah, no. Oh, I don't know, it's 50-50, isn't it? <laughs> I've never heard anyone less convinced. <laughs> but let's just assume it's a breakaway, right? And I've just had a quick look and picked out some names. Let's go. This is, all, this is also hard because, as I said, the flat start, so it's harder to get in it. But guys for a good, that can get in it, that can climb, 
and would deal with a hard start, I'd say guys like Magnus Court, yeah. Jorgensen, Fred Wright. Like Fred oh, Wright's Freddie th- Wright. Fred Wright's 30 minutes down, just won the Nationals. He doesn't seem quite as on it as he was last year, but I think maybe he's keeping his powder dry a bit for later on because I think he knew he wasn't going to win those days. So I think he could have been waiting for one of these breakaway days. Yeah, Um, nice. So Fred Wright, Jorgensen caught. Looking at our team, my team, I think there's a lot of guys. Quiato could win today. I don't know how he's climbing, but if he's climbing as well as he has done in the past, he could definitely win because he sprints quick. Because let's face it, 18K downhill, get over in the front group, you put big money on Quiato winning a sprint. Um, Likewise with Omar. He could do it. Danny's lost time already. I don't know how he's feeling because you wouldn't have thought he'd lose time. So maybe, I don't know if he's been a bit crook or something. Castro as well. I think all four guys will probably try for Minios. And then who else did I think? Or Betiol, I think, in Mm. whether he can get over those climbs because, as I said before, about that 3.5K over 10%. That's hard. But was it... Matthews who won up Mond and Betiol was was it Betiol who was yeah. second that it was yeah yeah so you know he's still right in a break so yeah and Pino Pino for point for King of the Mountains I think he's going to be looking to get up there I don't think he'll win but I think he could be in the break getting King of the Mountains points um, Luke's mentioned Paulus I think Paulus will get in there I don't think he'll win but I think he could be in there Wout pulls. Yep. He's had a bit of an issue before this race. We're a bit sick, but I think he would have taken his steady as well. Potentially he could get up there. I know he he's he's a good guy to maybe look at King of the Mountains as well. So I'm basically naming a lot of guys. So if any <laughs> of them win, I'm gonna claim it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um I'm a bit tall because as soon as you start talking about breakaways, I'm tempted to talk about Magnus Court because mm. he is the one of the modern day breakaway kings, isn't he? And as you say, he can climb. I'm thinking about that stage into Carcassonne in twenty eighteen, uh, in your year where it was a little bit lumpy on the way into town, wasn't it? And he dealt with all that fine and he get, always gets himself in a good move. I like the chat about Fred Wright though because he impressed so many people last year. We had a good chat with him on the GTCC over the winter. Yeah. And it's almost a Steve Cummings-esque move, isn't it? Just disappearing down the GC early on in the first week so that you can get in a break and no one cares that you've disappeared up the road. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going right, actually. Fred Wright's Freddie my Wright. pick. Either him or someone from the GC group because UAE have controlled it and someone like Woodsy, Michael Woods. Yeah. Who they won't chase because they're like, no disrespect to him, but he's not going to win the tour. We're not going to chase him. He does what Adam and Simon did. Goes, gets a gap. The others don't quite bring it back. So someone like him or maybe one of our guys like Rodriguez or like Carlos or... um. Tom, even Egan, you know, because no disrespect to them, but they're not necessarily challenging for the win in the tour. So they might be given a bit of freedom, but then they're, they're bigger name that people would chase, if that makes sense as well. So it feels like in attempting to narrow it down, we've expanded the list of names still further. Yeah, true, true. Bill Bow on that descent, <laughs> Another descending. One. Yeah. Um, he could go all in for that, couldn't he? Or... Yeah, 
Dylan Tuns. Dylan Tuns. What about him? Yeah. Mate, so much can happen tomorrow. Are there any riders we haven't actually mentioned in this preview for Wednesday? <laughs> uh, Calderman, we didn't mention him, but he's not going to win because <laughs> he's going to stick with Jonas, obviously. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, yeah. let's, before, before we name the entire peloton, I'm going to throw in one question from a listener. Because um, we always get these in every day. We'll try and get through a few more as the weeks go on. Keep sending them in to us on social media. Um, <clears throat> a nice way to finish this one. Gee, this is from Stephen Lush or Lausch. Stephen, I'm afraid I don't know how to pronounce your surname. From Stephen L, we'll say. Stephen would like to know, Geraint, what is the most random or mundane conversation that you have had in the peloton on a long, slow day like Tuesday? Oh, mundane... I guess that the, the typical things would be the weather, how crazy yesterday was, how crazy today's going to be, who's going to win the tour, Pog's looking good, is he going to blow? Pretty much what we talk about on this podcast, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it's just very generic because a lot of the time, if you're not speaking to an English, uh, what's the word? Like native, native speaker. Yeah. Would you say that about an American or? No, I'd say they would be a native speaker, yeah. yeah if right. English is their first language, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Then it's a bit more broken English in it. And so it's more generic things like that. Um, so yeah, it's like training camp, first training camp of the year in December. How was your off season? Where'd you go on holiday? Drunk too much, etc. cetera. Uh, it's, it's that type of thing, really. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a, a, a weird thing that I've spoke about with guys, but no, maybe you ask for a few like podcast recommendations or what you're watching on Netflix type thing. I mean, I imagine if someone is asking you for podcast recommendations, they've not really read the room. Yeah, well, no, they've they've like oh, I've, I've completed the GTCC and what's occurring. Yeah. So what else is there to watch? Listen yeah. to basically well, the next tear down. Yeah. <laughs> right, that would do us for today. It is sorry. Who are you saying, Tom? For tomorrow? I'm going to say Magnus Court. Ah, okay. Which means it won't happen based on my previous predictions in this race. Yeah. <laughs> but here is a prediction that will come to pass. It's you and Luke tomorrow. Then I think it's me and Luke on Thursday. Oh, me again. Oh, yeah. well, that's, ha that's happy days. Before we go, let's remind people one more time about the tickets for our live shows in London on November the 6th in Cardiff on November the 7th. If you're listening to this before 10 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, go to the link in the episode description, put your email address in, get notified as soon as tickets are on sale. If you're listening after 10 a.m., you just really need to hurry up. Geraint, you enjoy Andorra and it's beautiful weather and wonderful scenery. Mate. I'll see you on Thursday. Horrible up here. Cheers, bud. Ciao, ciao. Crowd Network, a place where you belong.